Safety is through him. And he knew that, and he came. I knew I'd get three songs out of him. Somehow I knew I was going to get three songs. Elizabeth came and said, we only got two songs. Now nah, you're going to do three if you have to repeat one. But you know what? I'm telling you, brother, you don't have to worry about Jesus Christ. He's safe. Andrew, you can come. If you don't come, I'm going to sit here and keep talking. That's just what I do. But it's, he's, he's always the safe. It's a safe bet. If you want a sure bet, the bet is Jesus Christ. Uh, 100% of the time, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Amen. Amen. If you could, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, in particular, Luke chapter number one, and if you could stand for the reading of the Word of God. All the things in life worth standing for. This is it. You can't stand for anything greater than this. And we have the opportunity to do that today in church. Dear Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for uh, all the good you've showed us, Lord. Thank you for the guy getting saved. Sure. ADC today, Lord, I just pray that you be with us here in church. Help us to get a little bit farther along. And we need to, where we need to go, Lord, we need to get farther with you. We need, to, we need to learn more. We need to do more. Thank you for the opportunity to be in church, Lord. We can hear about your words and the things that you wrote for us to help us grow. Thank you, Lord, for the examples you put in this book. Help us get where we need to get, Lord, in the day and age we live. Lord, I pray that you be with this message, that you bless it, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Clear these tears out of my eyes. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 2, and we're talking about the, the man who is John the Baptist. He's one of my illustrations for today. Uh, the Bible says, uh, in verse 76, he's already been born. They're talking a little bit about him. He's already been named. In verse 76, the Bible says, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to, or to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from, the high, or from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. We got our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. If we could please turn over to chapter number 2 and verse 50. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already been born. He's already been lost by his parents. You think you're bad parents. You go ahead and lose the Lord Jesus Christ, you find you're a really bad parent, right? You've never done anything like that, I guarantee. And the Bible says in verse 50, And they understood not the sayings which he, the 12-year-old boy, spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was, the sub, or was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And the Bible says in verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Uh, let's see here. And Brother John Napier, could you go ahead and pray for us as we be seated?
All right, we're going to go through the Bible a little bit today. I just wanted to hit these two, these two verses. I was back there thinking about it. This was off the cuff. Uh, this was not in my notes. Uh, my, my message is on growing as a Christian. If I was to have a title, which I do, it's, it's growing up. It's growing up. Uh, that's what we are, we are asked to do. That's the reason Paul wrote a lot of the stuff that he wrote. Uh, not, not just to, to show us the way to salvation, the, the gospel that, uh, that, that we shared with uh, Trey Sean today, that Jesus Christ came. He lived the perfect sinless life. He was, in fact, the Son of God. He was 100% man, 100% God. He was able to die on the cross as the only, the only being uh, in all of creation and outside of creation who was capable of doing what he did to pay 100% for eternity for our sins and, and make a way that we could accept him and trust him and, and enter in a place called heaven when we die. That ought to make you happy, man. That ought to make you Man, I was reading the book of Ephesians. I was talking to Brother Tom. We were at the jail. I was, I was in the book of Ephesians until about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't remember. It was like, you know, kind of in the body, out of the body. I can't tell it all. Just kind of blended together. I was getting, it was really good at about 1 o'clock in the morning at my house in the book of Ephesians. I was reading over there in chapter number 2, and it talks about, I mean, if you ever, if you ever have a problem with salvation and, and eternal security, you just go over to Ephesians chapter number 2, and, and right in there what he's talking about, you know, you being sealed, and it has everything in place, how you trusted, and then after you trusted, you got sealed, and so if you trusted, that means you got sealed, and you, and you can't un get unsealed after that, because no matter if you trust or not, like you, that happens, and when that happens, all these things happen. It's like, if this is happens, then all these other things happen, and you're good to go. There's no undoing that can occur, no matter how bad you get. And then if you really get mixed up and you don't want to believe that, then you go into First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter number two, and it talks about uh, if if we believe not, yet he abide faithful. And if you're really, really, really stubborn and hard-headed, there's about 100,000 other verses that you can get where you realize that no matter what you do after you get saved, you are eternally headed. You are, pre, you are now predestinated, if you want to use the word that John Calvin would use and get all mixed up on. You are predestinated into the adoption of a son. And that's all well and good. I'm glad I'm saved because if I was not saved, I'd be headed to a devil's hell. I thank God that God put me in a pastor's home. God put me in a preacher's home. God put me in church when I was a little kid. God did me a favor. I know me. I know if, if God would have put me in some of the positions of the guys that I saw in the jail today. See, I don't just go there sometimes to preach to them. Sometimes I go to see what I would have been had not God cut me a break and put me in church when I was a little kid. I would be there. I would be on the, on the flip side. I'd be the one getting preached at right now, trying to get my life in order, my life that I had made a complete wreck of because I didn't have any structure in order in my life. I'm glad that God put me in church. I'm glad that God saved me as a little boy, six years old. I remember I could show you the, the place, the, the old Charity Baptist Church. I could show you. The, I knew right where I was sitting. I knew I, just, I, I had enough looking around. I could kind of see where everything was. I remember when we were watching the video there, and I, and I saw all this stuff progress, and I was like, man, all those people are going to heaven, and then that one guy, he, he didn't go to he went to hell, and I, I didn't want to go there at six years old, and I went for it, and I got saved that day. Amen. I remember talking to, I believe it was my uncle and uh, Brother Spurgeon, they sat down, they grilled me. I remember that, asking me all kinds of questions, making sure I was six years old. I guess it didn't have enough sense for anybody to think that I would have gotten saved at six years old. Probably still have the same problem. People don't think I would have enough sense to do anything right, and they're probably right. But I'm, I'm glad that there was a church structure. You see, so you may not understand how important church is today, but you don't get the preaching unless you have the preacher, and you don't find the preacher usually unless you're in church. You forego. If you ever get this idea that the devil puts in your head that you ought to, that church isn't as important, listen, the structure's there because the end result is you get what you need to hear so that way you can do something with what you hear, and we call this entire process growth. And you ought to grow, because if you don't grow, you're not going to be like Paul, uh, John the Baptist here. If you don't grow, you're not going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't grow, you're not going to be like Paul, and you're going to have to answer for the fact that he gave you all these, th these three good examples of people that started out as a little baby and grew into three of the greatest men, including one who was God, who was the greatest, the greatest man you'll ever have is examples in your life. And you're supposed to be that. The Bible says here, And the child grew, Luke 1.80, And the child grew and waxed strong in sports. 
and Jesus increased in worldly wisdom and he got really big and strong and he was the best carpenter in the world and he made a bunch of YouTube videos and got hundreds of thousands of followers and everybody loved him and he was making furniture for Joe Biden <laughs> and George Washington or whatever. No, the Bible says here, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. You know, this is really the only thing the Bible is concerned with, is, is your spiritual side and that being stronger than what it was yesterday. Waxed strong in spirit and was, desert, was in the deserts until the day of his showing unto Israel. The Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So I got a question for you this morning. Five years ago, versus today, have you increased in favor with both God and man? And the right type of men. I'm not talking about men as in the clowns that you know, are running our government and crazy people that you know, are in the limelight and all this other stuff. I'm talking about like Y'all men, have you increased in favor with God and with man? And if not, why not? And are you, like what, I guess I, Brother Tom was preaching, he mentioned something about uh, reading your Bible. You know, I realized this morning, sometimes you, you, you know stuff for 10, 15, 20 years, but you only realize it after a certain point. You know, just like, like I've been thinking about this, but it just clicked. I was in the jail, and I realized that there are certain things that I preach and sometimes I say that would grate and make mad and frustrate somebody who's a very, very new Christian, but that somebody who's an old Christian would laugh at and say that is elementary stuff. See, I know I'm preaching today, and I know that there's all kinds of people in here. I, I, I'd love, I wish I could custom tailor a message to everybody in here, but I know that something I'm going to say is probably going to grate some of y'all. And it may be something that the rest of y'all don't pay attention to at all. There may be somebody right in the middle that this message will be like, man, this is right for me in my time and the, the point I am in my Christian life. See, we're all at different stages. And though there be some older folks in here, physically speaking, younger folks in here, I can tell and I know for a certain fact that spiritually speaking, there are babies. Even in a church like this, there are babies and there are soldiers. And you fall somewhere along that timeline. I was reading my Bible and I was reading, uh, reading over there in Ephesians chapter number 6. I preached the message a couple times. You know, the more you preach a message, this is why, again, why it's good to be in church. Because the more, you, the more you're in church, the more you realize that the preachers sometimes, eventually, every once in a while, they study the stuff they preach and they try to make it better. And by make it better, I mean they try to actually pay attention to what God says sometimes as opposed to what they're thinking. And sometimes when they allow God to change what they're thinking, that the message actually becomes better because it's closer to what God actually wants you to hear. <laughs> and so I'm studying Ephesians chapter number 6, and we're going to go there. As a matter of fact, if you can just kind of go ahead and start flipping over to Ephesians chapter number 1, we're going to talk about uh, some things in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and then get to 6. I've had I preached a message on... On the I think, as a matter of fact, it may have even been a men's prayer breakfast, and I just went through about the armor, and Brother Tim has preached a message on that. I believe there's at least been one, other, one or two other people who preached and just talked about the armor and how uh, the armor of, uh, that Saul went to give to David. You know, this is why it's important to have these, these studies with your kids, because you, as an adult, believe it or not, you need to be thinking about the story of David. The story of David, just like the songbooks that we have at the jail, where they you know, open up Redeemed and, and uh, uh, certain passages and Amazing Grace, and I can just tell, I can hold the songbook up and I can see where those are because they've been used so much. Is, is the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel like 17, 18, is that, is that just kind of like creased in your Bible? Have you been there so many times to try to figure out stuff about the life of David that those parts in your Bible are creased open? And they've got, your, they've got your finger grease all over those pages. Why not? You put your finger grease everywhere else in life and things that don't matter. You get, some of y'all got a lot of finger grease on basketballs, footballs, and Xbox. And nothing on this. 
Your Xbox is not what gets you into heaven. It's not what gives you rewards. Your leaderboard on something is not what God doesn't care about that. He wants you. He doesn't want you to be thinking about that. He doesn't want you wasting your time on that. Why? Because that's not going to help you when you got to stand in the evil day and you haven't done anything to stand and you fall. And you've been in church for 25 years or 30 years or 40 years or 70 years. And you put your time and attention to everything else that is not going to help you stand when the time comes for you to stand as a Christian and, and times get hard and they get tough and the devil is putting everything in the world he can against you. If you have not done anything to grow up into that soldier, you will fall and it will only be your fault. It'll be nobody else's fault but your. No one else can, we can, like I can force my kids to eat, but there comes a time when at some point my kid has got to learn how to pick up a spoon and eat the food that we make on her own. Having a heart, one of the problems we have right now with Bella. And she is so wiry, she is so hyperactive in her brain, <clears throat> excuse me, that it is hard for her sometimes to just sit down <clears throat> and find time to focus just so she can eat food. I got I to gotta sit her down. Are you hungry? She's starving to death. Nope. <laughs> you hungry? Five, three or four times a day. Amen, Brother Joe. He gives me two. And I know he got this from dad. Don't I had another one up here? <laughs> and I got to sit her down and make her and her little brother eat. Why? Because I want her to grow up. Well, there's some things I have to do as a dad that my kid doesn't understand yet. She doesn't understand that she's going to need to eat the food I give her. All those hundreds and thousands of pounds of food I'm, I'm giving her. Week after week, year after year. You know how you take a little kid. If I was to bring Alex up here, which I wish he was in here. Is he in here? Is he back there? Is he awake? Send him up here. Send him up here. This would be good. I'm a visual guy. I like, I like visual things. I like, you'll, you'll remember this. You may think the message was terrible. You'll remember this example. Come here, Mr. Pork. Come on, up here. Alex, come on, bring your poo up here. Come on, up here. I forgot he's scared to death. All right, I'll go back to you. All right, you have to look back just like we're doing a baptism today, okay? Come here, you. I'm trying to run off and ruin my... Oh, he's hiding underneath the thing. So This is making my illustration even better. Come on, i got to show you something. I, got, I need you to stand next to me, okay? Come on. Come on. Be a big boy. Okay, I need somebody else's kid. <laughs> if I was to take Alex... Let's just reduce him two years, and he's a little baby. And I was just standing right up next to me, and he's right here. You know how many thousands of pounds of food and water it's going to take to get him from here to here? It's really quiet. I know why it's quiet, because you're thinking about all the Bible reading. Like what Brother Tom said, I'm assuming he said, he set me up, and I, didn't even, I wasn't even here for the message, and he set me up. And I didn't even hear him say it. Somebody else mentioned what he said. You think you're going to get to being a full-size Christian without you eating every day? Yeah, that's a lot of ingestion you have to do, but all that ingestion, some of it, some of it, you know, you eat five, ten pounds of food and only maybe a few ounces actually gets added to your overall mass. That's the way it is as a Christian. Just because you eat a lot, I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to gain all that weight at once. You eat the food over and over and over and over and over again because some of it will add to you what you need to be. Some of it. You don't need 20 pounds. You couldn't handle it. You would die. You get the mentality that I'm going to start Bible school. <laughs> You're going to get a fire. You might as well just go ahead and take one of these fire hydrants over here. Go get the wrench from the fire department. Tear it open and put your face down in there and try to open, try to drink as much of that water as you can. That's about how much you'll actually learn from Bible school. I believe I have learned probably more. As a matter of fact, I haven't even finished Bible school yet, so I need to finish that myself. But you'll learn plenty of things being out of Bible school, too. Just living as a Christian, just trying to live. Not to say you shouldn't. You know, some of you are going to say, well, man, I don't have to go to Bible No, you need to go to Bible, you need to go to Bible school. Why? Because you're in America, and Bible school is cheap here, and you'll learn things that you need to learn because we're living in a wicked day and age, and you've got things you're going to have to deal with that Bible school is going to help you deal with. Amen. You don't realize how rare you are. You don't realize how few you are. There's not a lot of this in the world. There's not a lot of Christians in the world of this type. So you need to do something with it. Amen, Brother Mike Stahl. That was, that was, that's an encouragement to me. 
I've been totally slam busy. I'm, I've been itching to start Bible school. It's good that we have older folks. Why? Because it takes, it, it, it puts pressure on the rest of you older folks. You think just because you're 60 years old and you haven't done Bible school yet that you're done? No, you need to keep growing. Some of you old folks need to get into Bible school. You do. Why? Because it'll help you be better examples and older folks for the kids that are underneath. You maximize their opportunity to grow. It's just like, it's just like you learn how to eat right yourself. It makes everybody else eat, eat right, like in your family. If I learned, if, I, if the buck stops with me and I'm the one making sure, hey, we got to have these things in the diet. Why? Because I know I need them to grow, and I know if I can eat them, it's easier for everybody else to eat at the same time. My kids eat right, on average, better when daddy's eating right. You want your kids to eat right? Why aren't you eating right? You want your kids to do right? Why aren't you doing right? You want your kids to do this and this and this and this? Why aren't you? You know what I know? These people grew up because they had mommies and daddies who knew what kind of kids they were and knew, saw the crazy situations that God put them in for those kids to even come out. And they took care of those kids the best they possibly could. And as a result, Jesus and John didn't starve to death. They grew and they grew and they grew. And they increased in favor and wisdom with God, man, and stature. And just the same as they did, we find ourselves, you're in Ephesians, right? You're on Ephesians? All right. Some of y'all didn't believe me. I told you I was eventually going to go over there. Galatians, Ephesians. We find ourselves in Ephesians, chapter number one. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, in verse one, to the saints... So this is the entire context of the book of Ephesians. To the saints which are at Ephesus, specifically this church, and for the rest of us who don't happen to be at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, you see, us, us, we, we, throughout there, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we should, 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 be holy and without blame before him in love. Are you holy and without blame? Well, are you? You know what? One of, the, one of the things I really like about Dr. Ruckman is he asks questions like that that are very often very, very, very simple questions, but that no one seems to ever have an answer to. One of the good ones that he asks is, do you know you have the scriptures? Right after he says, holy scriptures, holy scriptures, holy scriptures, holy scriptures. So do you have it? Amen. If you don't have it, how do you know you're even saved? You're supposed to be made alive in Christ, right? God doesn't use something that's dead to make something else alive. So that means you got to have something that's live. How do you know you have it? Can you prove it? Picked, I asked Daddy the other day to borrow, a, uh, what was it, manuscript evidence. You know, manuscript evidence. Some of y'all just threw up in your mouths right now. Why? Because I'm getting questions at church from my mechanic who's a Catholic who doesn't know what in the world's going on, but he's got mixed up with some crazy Septuagint stuff, and he thinks the Septuagint's the Word of God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know it's time for me to grow as a Christian and learn some stuff so I can get a little bit bigger and kind of you know, help def either A, defend myself from that foolishness, or B, fight against yeah. it and maybe win him. Yeah. Amen. You think I like reading manuscript? No, no. Dr. Ruckman, that's probably why his IQ was way up there, because he loves stuff like that. And he was able to, to deal with people like that off the cuff. But at the simplest level, he would ask you, you believe you have the Holy Scriptures? How do you know? I know there's a lot of people in here that don't know. You may not know that you have the Holy Scriptures. You think, you hope. Dad believes it, so you must, it must be the Holy Scriptures. But you don't know. You haven't spent the time. It hasn't crossed your mind that maybe I should make sure that when somebody who, who has spent a lot of time learning the flip side of stuff, and they start asking me questions, because they've spent days and years and months and decades learning the stuff they've learned, which is wrong. You haven't thought that maybe I should have some type of answer for that when they ask those questions and in front of five other lost people? That if I haven't spent the time every day, you don't have to read your Bible for 45 hours a week. You just need to read your Bible. Some of y'all just need to start reading 10 minutes a day. And when you realize who God really is, you'll start reading 30, 40, 50 minutes. You'll, you'll, find, you'll find ways to work the, the least amount possible so you can spend the most amount of time maximizing your spiritual growth so that way you can be something for God someday. Because you realize how, how useless about 95% of the stuff you get yourself involved in really is. 
My, my physical success means nothing to the guys that I'm dealing with who have all kinds of life problems and, and their entire lives are shot and they're falling apart. And they're try- I got 15 minutes sometimes to deal with them. And they'll ask me all crazy off the wall questions like that. And I got to know the answer just like that. You know, all my, my g- gaming experience and all, all the school and everything else that I've had, uh, you know, studying to be a doctor, that, that means nothing at that point. All that matters to me is what those guys ask and what I know and, and I've learned about this book. That's all that matters in eternity. There's the devil sitting there on one side of the room. There's God sitting there on the other side of the room. And I'm aware of the situation that the devil wants to destroy everybody in the room, including myself. He wants to make me look like an idiot in front of these guys. So that way I am of no use to God anymore. And a lot of that hinges on how much I have chosen to grow as a Christian. The situations you find yourself in, when God tears you, he lets you just, he just lays you out. And sometimes it's great to just be laid out in front of somebody who can just take Take the knowledge and everything else and just run you away. It's good. It forces you to grow. It's good when you get put in challenging situations. Like it's, You need those. What I know, what I've learned about lifting weights, is that sometimes you will not put the weight on the bar unless you have somebody who has put much more weight on the bar yelling at you to put the weight on the bar because he knows you can carry it. Because you're a pansy. You won't put the weight on the bar. No, I think I'll be fine with 275 today. And he know, he's seen you lift 300 once. Hey, let's see if we can get you to lift 305. Ah, just do 275 another couple weeks, and then I'll try. No, 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 why don't you do it now? You want to be where you want to be in 20 years? Why don't you do this stuff now? You, if you don't, yeah, go ahead. You'll, it'll take you 40 years to get there, or 50 years. In this church, this type of church you have, you, you should be growing like a weed. If you show up every day, if you care, if you, if you realize what it is. One of the things I'm trying to do is get my life decluttered so I can start showing up on Thursdays. A new converts class for preacher's son showing up to new, yep. Why? Because <clears throat> I found that you, you, will, you will be a soldier for somebody. That much is, I know to be true. See, sometimes we, it's just like a zero sum. We're either a soldier for the Lord or we're nothing. No, 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 no. You're a soldier for the Lord or you're a soldier for the devil. You're one of those. You're thinking about being one of those. You spend your time training for one thing. Dr. Ruckman talks about the white dog and the black dog. There's a white soldier. There's a black soldier. There's a dark soldier. There's a white soldier. There's a good soldier. Not racially speaking or anything, but just good, bad. You'd be surprised, Christian, if God was to lay your life out the way he looks at it as as far as your your spiritual combat service, how many times you've jumped sides. And you start training with the other side. Be like the nation of Israel, you know, they're all sitting there and Goliath comes up and half the nation's just, you know, half the nation's like, wait, hey, why don't we just go over and work out with them today? That would be insane, right? You would think that's insane. Like we would just go over and start working out with the the Afghans. Let's go, let's go fight some battles with the, uh, with the terrorists over there, with uh, the the jihadists and people like let's just go fight some battles with them. And, you know, maybe a 10, 20, 30 percent of the time, but most of the other time, we're you know we're we're fighting the battles for the United States. You would call those people traitor if you did one. Yeah, how much time do you spend training, and or maybe even getting to the point where you're fighting some of the devil's battles? It'd be good if you spend as much time as you can around God's people. Why? Because you'll find time to spend time around the devil's people. I know these are all simple things, but sometimes the simple things are the things we just like. You don't think about it until somebody mentions it to you. Just because it's simple doesn't mean you're aware of the simplicity. There's a lot of people that are unaware of the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. So when you talk to them about it, the light comes on and you see the light. I just had this the other day, a guy in the office and some of the things I was going through, I, it has been a while since I've seen the light. I mean, just the, the way, the stare, the glare, it was just like, bing! And he had no answer. He, had no, he knew exactly what I was saying was, was the truth, showed him through the Bible. He kept going the stubborn direction he was going just because it'll take him probably a couple years to change. But, but the light went off in his head. I mean, he was just the goofy smile, you know, the drool coming out the side of the mouth. Like, man, I have never, ever heard anybody... People I got all over the place. Never heard. You know, if you're not a strong Christian, you're never going to be able to deal with those types of situations because your testimony will usually be shot well before the chance. People never ask you anything. You know, 
there are people that I work with that the time and energy they've spent in spiritual things is worthless because their testimony is shot and nobody cares what they have to say. So they're stuck with me. <laughs> I feel sorry for them, but they're stuck with me. It's put some pressure on me. Pressure's good for you. Weight's good for you. The more weight you add, the stronger your muscles will get. The bigger you'll become, the more food you're going to require. You know why you eat as much as possible, spiritually speaking, why you should always be eating? Because you never know when that load is going to be put on your back. And if you're not prepped and ready to go, it'll break you. And then you'll be spending all your food and energy in recovery as opposed to getting stronger. And you're not supposed to just get strong to get strong. You're, get, you're supposed to get strong because, like I said, if I was to bring Alex up here, just like I would, let's say David. Let's say David's a little bit shorter than me. Let's say, you know, maybe like, you know, when he went out to fight the giant, he's you know, a little short guy. Uh, wiry, of course, very wiry. Uh, had, had his skills. You know, he was already at the armor bearer. And then he got uh, demoted to logistics. You know, he's running the carts back and forth to the, Come on, anybody in here logistics? That's what he was. He was demoted. To, he was in logistics. Hey, send the cheese. Go over there and take the cheese to these people. He was logistics. If you were to look at the, the army of Israel, you would be seeing carts going from all over the place. You think I want to send my sons out and just let them starve to death, eating all the garbage food they have over there? No, we got cheese here. We got sheep. Let's send them some nice stuff. Might as well take care of everybody else while we're there. And you know what? Hey, it looks like the neighbors are sending all their carts over today. Just, you know, all go take care of the children of Israel, and they'll just sit there. Apparently, they ain't doing anything with what they got, so you might as well just keep them fat while they're sitting there watching the, the, the giant. So David's in logistics. He loads the cart up. He takes the cart where it needs to go, and soon enough, he's promoted to commander. <laughs> So that's how he was like, hey, you're going to be my armor bearer. And then, you know, okay, go bye-bye. And then, you know, you're, now your logistics is moving carts around. And, hey, uh, come to find out, no one else in the army is doing what they're supposed to do because apparently uh, being in the armor and being of the size you're supposed to be and, and having all the equipment and everything doesn't actually make you a really good soldier. You're supposed to have that stuff. You have, yes, David's brothers, you have, uh, yes, Saul, perfect example, you have grown up. To the point where you're now able to start carrying the things that, that an adult would be able to carry, a warrior would be able to carry. If I was to take all Saul's armor and bring up Alex up here and just, would that be effective at all? No. You know where Alex was in this whole equation? See, we got Army A, we got the, the, the Israelites here, we got the Philistines. Alex is back here being protected by the army. You know what you are when you grow up and you become a, soldier, a spiritual soldier? You get to the point where you're now able to fit stuff that God has you to fit? You become a link in a chain. You become, you become that barrier, oftentimes, between the devil and your family, between the devil and your friends. You become part of that army that God will have. You become that hedge in some cases, you, you realize you are part of the hedge of protection. Sometimes God will put around other people. The hedge of protection is often Christians. Hey, don't do this. Okay. And it keeps, it, A, keeps people from getting from one side over here, and it keeps the people over here that want to destroy everything over here that has not grown up yet to be part of this yet. That's why you read, that's why you read David and Goliath about 100,000 times. You start getting stuff like that. It's not just about David and Goliath. It's about the army and what the army is supposed to do. And about the fact that that was a dysfunctional army. As a matter of fact, the other army was dysfunctional too. The only functional thing there was Goliath. He was the only thing doing any type of challenge. And honestly, he was probably so scary. If he would have just kept going, he probably could have ran the whole army off by himself. It was God's protection that allowed him to only go so far. You've got to realize, Christian, is devil will be scary, but God will only allow him to walk so far, and he'll sometimes wait. Nobody else wants to stand up. Nobody else wants to do anything. No one else wants to stand up for my name. I will wait until the, log the logistician comes up with his cart of cheese, and I'll use him to drive the clown out of there. Yeah. Yep. It's sad to me that God used an unarmored, uh, effectively unweaponed, I mean, outside of a sling, of all the equipment and the tools he had available, he used the basest of things to destroy Goliath. Certainly in that whole army, the basest thing there was David. 
But the thing we know about David is that he was always abounding in the work of the Lord, and he was growing wherever he was put. God will use something that's growing that maybe is not as big or as strong as something that is not growing and that doesn't want to be there. David wanted to be there. Why? Because it's the Lord's battle. We are fighting the Lord's battle. That guy over there is the enemy of the Lord. I want to be wherever the Lord's battle is. Even if it means I just get to be the guy bringing the cheese. Because David had now started to grow up. Very much the same similar situation we find John the Baptist. <coughs> he grew in the spirit. And there was a time when it was, it was high time for him to be revealed. You know, that was David's time to be revealed over there in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 18. He did all the things. He ate the food. He did the spiritual things he was supposed to do. He took care of the things he was supposed to take care of until the time was revealed for him to be put in that position. You know what that tells me? That the entire rest of the army existed in the same time period but didn't do any of the things that David did. Those things were not a priority. to them. They were just there filling boots. They were filling boots. They were filling armor. The armor itself, Christian, you get over into the book of Ephesians, we're going to get to it in a little bit. The armor itself does not make you strong. The armor and the sword are the things that a strong Christian is able to carry and bear. And then you're able to defend yourself, and then you're able to stave off the attacks of the devil, and then you're able to pray and take the spear that, that is often not depicted, but those, those Roman legionnaires had two pila, they had two spears, and they would throw at anything oncoming to stave it off before they even had to deal with it. But if you are still a child, how in the world are you going to carry any of that stuff as a soldier? Flip side... Why do you expect children to act like soldiers? They ain't. I had a story, I was talking about my wife, you know, the situation where, you know, the family and the position she came from and all the crazy stuff she had to deal with. There are things that I don't expect of my wife that I expect of people that are raised in church. You ought to know better. You had training that she didn't have, that she's getting now, but that she didn't have when she was five, six, seven, eight years old. I expect you to be a little bit taller at the same age. Now, believe me, there are some people that just choose not to eat, and you don't want to grow regardless, and you'll sit in church for 20 years, and you'll be the biggest baby you've ever been, and there'll be people that have been in church for six months, like Brother Travis, six, seven, eight months, and they'll start ingesting as much as they possibly can because they realize they've got to redeem the time because the days are evil, and there's a lot of stuff, even in my pack, that I've got to try to account for. And he's preaching in the jails in three years. You're supposed to grow. Why? Well, regardless of what, if, if and whether you want to grow or not, there is an enemy out there that's going to try to flat kill you. We get over here, we're in Ephesians. The Bible says, and you have to be quickened. Step one. Ephesians chapter number two, verse one. Sorry, I was talking about Ephesians chapter 1 there, that we should be to the praise of His glory like we heard this morning, who first trusted in Christ. It's talking about the beginning step here, in whom we also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye had believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earned to... Again, right there, if you want to... You talk about eternal security. You, miss, you read over that and miss eternal security, you ain't paying attention. Eternal security is right there in its entirety, all in a nutshell. Verse two, in, or verse one, chapter number two, and you have to quicken who are dead in trespasses and sins. You know what happens when you get quickened? Some part of you, the part that was dead, gets made alive. But it doesn't get made alive and get changed in this giant soldier. It gets made alive and it's a little baby. <laughs> Believe it or not, what gets what gets it's born again? Nicodemus, and he was at least right. I can't in the state I'm in go in and come back out like this. What comes out has got to be small. Kind of like a baby. You get born again, you know what gets born? Your baby Christian self. You know what you have to do when you get born as a baby Christian? You need to start eating the food. Eat the food, 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 eat the food. Eat the food. Sometimes, you, sometimes the food may not taste as good as you like it. 
It's going to be green beans. It's going to be collard greens. It's going to be all that other stuff that you don't like. Sometimes it may even, by Joe, be burnt. You know, a lot of Christians leave church because they got, they got some burnt food. I don't like the preaching, so I left. Yeah, and yeah, there's, there's 50 years of other good food that kept your stinking carcass alive, and you done forgot about all that. You only care about one little thing. You baby. You know how many times I've eaten food she's burnt because it was the right thing to do as a husband? And because I knew she would not burn it down the road at some point. She learned her lesson. Now I'm burning all the food, and she's complaining about me, and I got you know, the judgment coming back on me. You don't stop eating because you eat burnt food. How many times do you burnt toast? Everyone in here is burnt toast. Don't even, if, you put, if you've used a toaster, if you put slices of bread in a toaster, you burnt toast by, bless God. You didn't stop eating toast, did you? No, you didn't. Amen? Especially when you get free peach jelly that's made over by some granny in Indiana. You'll, you'll go to the store and make a special trip for bread so you can make toast for that stuff. Amen? Stuff is good. I had half that jar gone by yesterday. I don't even know if my kids like peach. They liked it yesterday. Vultures, man. All right, getting off talking about toast here, and we're trying. So you and you have to be quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. So not only were you dead, and he raised you from the dead, your spiritual side raised you from the dead, but now it's a baby crawling around and walking and crying and squeaking and making a mess of itself. And it's time to start stuffing food into it. Why? Because that baby cannot fight the spiritual fight that it is going to be called to do in some amount of time. So are you a baby in here? Are you a spiritual baby? You know, how you, you know how you can tell if you're a spiritual baby. When God sends the hard times, when the devil comes against you, you fall. Maybe it's because you're fatigued, but maybe it's because you can't fit the tools that he gave you. To, you you're not strong enough to hold the sword. You're not strong enough. You're not big enough. You know what the Bible says here in Ephesians? It has everything here in Ephesians you need. All the, the, tool, the tools, it starts out dead, quickened. And you're quickened in Christ, by Christ. Like Dad said, or no, that was Brother Tom. Workmanship, I'm sorry. I'm mixing up everything from the jail because he was in Ephesians 2. And then we get to 3, chapter 3, verse 15. Talks about bowing his knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. We haven't talked about armor yet. That's in chapter 6. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the Breadth and the length, or this way, and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So it's almost like knowledge of Christ and the love of Christ are the two things that inflate you to the point where you're now able to be plated with that armor. That ye might be filled with all, what does the Bible say? The fullness of God. You know how you can know if you're a baby Christian? Because you are not filled with the fullness of God to the point to be able to carry and do the things that God, the tools that God has given you, and you fall. Maybe you fall because you're a baby Christian. You need to know that. You can't blame a baby who goes into the gym and can't lift any weights because he's a baby. Can't get mad at him. Number one, you can't get mad at him for doing that. Now, if he's a 25-year-old baby, yeah, you can start to say something. Hey, why aren't you eating your food? Are you eating your food today? Are you, are you eating the right food? Just as sure as God has food for you, the devil has food. He has food for that other man. You see, it's not, sometimes we like to just focus on the spiritual side of things. Believe me, the devil is, is he wants to make sure that he can feed you everything to that old man. Too. He, he would like to see both natures grow up at the same time. Because then it's now a fight. You know, if you only prioritize this nature over here, which very few people in this room probably will ever do, including myself, to the point where God would like us to be. I mean, you're talking about the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man, the Bible says. Where this man is so big and so full, and that's all that is, that's all you are is just this man over here. And this guy over here has been so squished and so su suppressed because of this strength over here that has been put into this man. Which is all, by, by the way, 
all the power of God. It ain't you. It's what God has allowed. It's what you've allowed God to be in you. That this thing is now filling that armor. It can be plated. It's like a, it's a man. It's a spiritual man. It is strong. It is something that you can hand a sword to. He can grab the sword and do something with it. You know, if you can't do something with the sword, you may be a baby. I know sometimes when somebody who's 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, when you start hearing baby, 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 you got to understand you got two natures. Just because you are an adult over here does not mean you are not a baby over here. And just because you're a small child over here like David does not mean that you have the this, this spiritual strength to be a man over here when the time has, has come. You notice that God didn't need David to have all that armor on when he was out fighting Goliath? The power of God kind of worked through some of that stuff. But we find that later on down the road, David's asking, hey, I forgot my sword and my spear. Where's the sword of Goliath? <laughs> it's time for him to start carrying a sword. What Brother Tim talked, talked about the other day is we never find David going back to the sling. Why? Because he has grown up. He is now a soldier. He is now carrying a sword. He's carrying a spear. He's now got armor on. He's now part of a unit, part of a battle. We find him later on down the road when he's eventually about on his way out that he was there and there were all kinds of people fighting around him with the same stuff. You don't put a slinger in that type of position. Slinger is not, not able to deal with a close hand-to-hand -hand combat. They're at a distance. How many people in here God allowed? You know what? You know what we do with these kids? When you keep the kids sheltered and secured in the church, you allow them to see the battle from a distance. You're not throwing them in the mix where they have to just take all, all kinds of beating and hits and they don't know what to do. You allow them to slowly, gradually progress. That's what any, any army does. You think the United States just took Jake when he signed up and they gave him an M16 and sent him over the next day? Absolutely not. Why? Because he'd blow half his department, his, his unit apart. You kill everybody. Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, no, you know, by the time you've raised your, your rifle, five of your guys have walked in front of you, shoot all of them. You don't know what to do. They train you for that. They start, and you know what? If you're unable to do that, they will not let you progress. If you're unable to be safe with the people around you, if you're, if you're an unsafe person, they'll kick you out of the military. They're not going to risk a liability. See, that all comes from growing up and being trained, and then being given the tools that you're able to handle, and then doing something with the tools for the rest of your life. You want to be a strong, you want to be a strong soldier? You want, to, you want to be able to resist the devil? You ain't going to resist the devil as a baby. God may protect you as a baby for some time, but eventually he's going to let the devil, just like Job, he's going to let the devil do what the devil wants to do sometimes, and, and he gave you time, ample time to prepare for it. And to realize whose army you're in, yeah, eventually, yeah, the point of an army is to do battle. That's the that's the sad thing about it is, and I hate it as much as anybody else, but you're you're not you're in a spiritual warfare, and at some point, the point of a warfare means that somebody's going to get stabbed, or hit over the head with a shield, or kicked, or stomped on. That's going to happen to you, and if you're not spiritually strong enough to be able to handle these tools that he puts in the end of this chapter here, you will fall. And maybe great will be the fall of you, and you may not be able to recover. Sometimes we go through little skirmishes, and believe me, I think in the United States, a lot of the battles we do are just little skirmishes here and there. I had one the other day, man. It was like, Bella, great Scott, man. That wore me out the other day. But even considering that, I don't have some of the problems that other people have to deal with. I got, you know, I got kids that act off the wall sometimes. They drive me up a wall and make me go half crazy. Me and my poor wife, I don't have some of the problems that I wake up every day and they're just like, massive problems I got to deal with. And then those types of things get piled on. God has protected me. I feel like I'm a baby sometimes. He's allowed me to, to not be put in the fray as much as other people. Like I said, he's, he's, I feel like he's, uh, he's protected me, given me some time to grow. God's given you time to grow. You're in this church. You know what you're doing right now? You're hopefully just spooning in a little shovelful here, asking for some applesauce. I want some applesauce. I want some applesauce. Daddy, I want some applesauce. As annoying as that is, believe me, as a father, knowing what that applesauce and that, that peanut butter and jelly and those to that toast does for my kids long term, I kind of forget about how annoying it is and the time it takes me to prepare everything to give it to the kids because I know that, number one, they don't have any way of getting it themselves. 
That's the other thing is if you don't know how to make the food yourself, you could be a baby. If you don't know how to find the food yourself, okay, that doesn't mean you, once you find, learn how to find the food that you just stop coming to church because you can find all kinds of things and poison yourself. Because if you don't cook something right, there's all kinds of things you can get. If you don't cook it right, you'll poison yourself. He's supposed to cook it and sift it out and make sure the bad apples are all out so you're eating the good stuff. But at some point, you've got to be able to eat the food yourself, and, and at least on your own. I know that I eat a lot more food than Alex and Bella needs, about seven or eight times the amount of food. And then if I want to go to the gym, I now have to double or triple my, calori- my caloric intake. You want to be a high-performance Christian soldier, you've got to have to double or triple what you've been doing before you decided, hey, I want to start doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you can say that all day long until you start getting in the Bible and spending a lot of extra time doing that and praying and doing all that stuff. You ain't, you ain't going to be serious. Good luck. Good luck. Why? Because you're now asking to be put closer and closer to the front of the battle, closer to the devil. Like what they say, the closer you get to God, yeah, yeah, God's out in front, leading like a, a good leader does. The closer you want to get to him, the closer that's going to put you to the enemy with the swords and spears and everything else. And believe me, the the group of people over on that side, they're eating plenty of food too. The devil's giving them an ample diet of all kinds of stuff. You go out in this world, man, you want to see the diet of the devil, you go just drive down the highway. You walk into any store, there's there's anything in the world to be a worldly soldier. There's anything in the world out there you 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 can get it within five seconds of leaving this church. And the devil has prepared all kinds of people. He's the guy who's running the place. You know what it says over in Timothy? I, like, I was reading a, a book of Timothy earlier as well. And, and this would be something, something just kind of like in closing here. I don't know, I'm running out of my time. It's talking about being followers of God, verse 5. I kind of skipped through some of this stuff. Followers of God as dear children. So we're not, we're not talking about somebody who's just dead and now is alive. But now he starts talking about, you know, you need to be strong and and, and now be followers of God as, as dear children. And then we get into chapter number six. And what does it say? Well, number five, it talks about children of light there. Chapter number six, it says, children, obey your parents. And every parent, you know, that's honestly, if you're, most people at least know this to some degree. You're in church for too long, you know, for not, not a long period of time. You, you, you recognize this first. Children, obey your parents. Why? Because usually bring your, you know, your kids in. The first thing you want to do is get your kids right. <laughs> So the first thing you got to do for the kids to be right is, hey, you need to obey me. Why? It's there in the Bible. Children, obey your parents, Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, that it may be well with thee, and that they may you know, have a long life, et cetera, et cetera. But he's, this is Paul talking to baby Christians and growing Christians. Why? He's talking about children here. If you don't learn to do these things as a child, and then the servants and the masters and the fathers and, and all these other people, and then it goes right into verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And now we move from being a child. It is now time you as a man or a woman who has grown up in the things of the Lord, put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because you're going to have a really hard time standing against the wiles of the devil, the flesh and the blood, the principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places. You're going to have a hard time doing that without the armor of God. The Bible says, Wherefore, take unto you all the whole armor of God, in verse 13, that ye may. So you can still fail. Believe me, you can still fail. You know what I saw in the, the whole COVID situation? I saw a lot of spiritual people, people that had a lot of, uh, you know, training and and he's like man you know pastors preachers teachers and as soon as this situation happened their faith went right to zero been teaching the bible 10 20 30 40 years scared scared anxiety to death if you faint in the day of adversity was the bible say your strength is small just because you have the armor on just because you're strong does not mean you will still not faint when the time comes for you to do battle. You always better be watching, Christian. You always better be watching. You think you're strong? You think you're, you think you're strong? You think you can stand? You better be watching. The devil, will, he will destroy the soldier just the same as he'll attack the kid. He looks for weaknesses in both. Unprotected or thinks he's protected but doesn't know the enemy. What happened with, uh, what was it, Ahab? Uh, what's the other guy? Saul? Joints of the armor. 
He know, believe me, he, he'll wait for you to fling that shield around. Oh, I got faith, I got faith. I can, right there, done. And you're on the ground for another seven or eight months of your life trying to pick up the pieces. When all hell broke loose and everything falls apart. Why? Been in church your whole life. Why? Raised in a, in a pastor's home. Maybe you are a preacher. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're, you know the Bible inside now. Why? Because the time came for you to stand and you were unprepared even as a soldier. And you took the hit and you fell. Now, hopefully you get back up. Hopefully you're in a place, again, why you need to be in church. When you fall, you have people around you to help you lift back up. Those two things, two of the greatest reasons you ought to always try to come to church. Because you'll get food that you otherwise won't get and you don't know how to, you ain't, you ain't Gordon Ramsay. Some of y'all think you're Gordon Ramsay. You ain't. He's been doing it for 40 years. He's, he's traveled to Iceland and dove down to get his crabs. And then cooked them there on the snow, for crying out loud. And I don't go following Gordon Ramsay because he's got a terrible mouth and he's a garbage human being as far as I'm concerned. But still, you ain't that. And you think you're going to cook up the Bible as good as some preachers that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years. You're out of your mind. You're going to burn it. And then you're going to burn somebody else with it too because you're going to give them your terrible cooking. You get them where they can get good cooking. And then you learn how to cook being around the cook. Amen? Amen. All the chefs say amen there. Brother, Brother Mike, you know, he knows how to cook. He's a man after my own stomach. Amen. Corned beef hash. You get corned beef hash right? Speaking of which, you go to Crockett's Breakfast Camp down in Gatlinburg, they'll show you how to make corned beef hash. Amen. That'll change your life. All right. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know what we're going through right now? We're going through an evil day. It is an evil day. I get over to 2 Timothy here. I'm just... Kind of closing, you guys haven't said, get him off the stage yet, so I'm just going to keep going a little bit longer. I'm waiting for that. Dad says, hey, you come up and, you know, you got to come up. I was like, well, you got to come up and get me down. <laughs> okay. He's like, you want me to shut up? You come get me. Uh, the Bible says, 2 Timothy, we're just going to read it here. If you can get over here before I'm, I get to the point where I'm going. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, the Bible says, Thou therefore my son, my son. This is Paul the father talking to his son. He's about to put, push him out, about to push him out of his training into his Spiritual warfare, he's, got, he's given him the tools. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of many witnesses, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's the mark. You start to get to the point where now you're able to teach some of the things that you learn. Not because you're, just because you're a teacher doesn't make you uh, strong in the grace that's God. You can teach all kinds of crazy things. The devil's got all kinds of teachers out there. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What does it say here in verse 4? This ought, to be, this ought to be grilled in every one of our heads. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You know what the COVID situation is? It's one of the greatest affairs you'll ever go through. Are you entangled in it? You're going to have a hard time pleasing him who had chosen you to be a soldier if you get entangled in things like that. I, I kind of didn't intentionally talk about that because I get sick of hearing it. But number two, it's time for us to move on as a church and not be entangled with that crap. Yeah. You ought not to be worried about that stuff. You got more, more important things to deal with as a Christian than always be waking up in the morning to see what in the world the news has about the shipping in California right now. Who was, when was the last time anything that has gone in California has affected anyone in this room, with the exception of the few people that maybe have friends or family over there? I've never even been to California. I don't even know if it's a real place. <laughs> kind of wish it wasn't if it was. It's like one of those horror places, you know, you go and everything's on fire and, you know, the judgment of God. It's like, like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's just a nonstop fire all the time. No man that warth entangleth himself. So that means, that means the things that a baby or a, or a, a teenager, let's say, would get entangled with the little things here and there, the, the things of adolescence that Paul would say he put away when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know why? Because those things entangled his growing. He, got, he would get entangled in those things. It blows me away when I hear preachers more concerned about what's going on with the government, more concerned about what's going on with the ball game. Now, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you don't exercise to some degree that involves doing heavy physical labor, throwing wood and stuff around, uh, or chopping wood, or, or doing something, a hobby or skill or whatever. There ought to be something that makes your blood pump to your brain so this works better. 
Okay, the physical exercise part keeps this thing ticking a lot longer and it keeps this clean a lot easier. You don't just sit all the time. You know, the other option is you just sit around and do nothing all day and I'm sure God has a lot of stuff to say about that. But when you get into the professional world of sports and all you care about is the, the, this stat and that stat and this stat, you know it amazes me the stats people know about that and you, can't, you don't know who in the world. I, I, got a book in my, I got a book in my house, The Men and Women of the Bible, all of them. You're reading through like, man, I ain't never heard of this guy. He's got a whole half and a page, a page and a half written about him. <laughs> you know more about that junk out there that's not going to amount to a hill beat. You think any of that stuff's going to show up at the judgment seat of Christ? You think any of the football team, any of the teams that have existed throughout history, you think any of those are even going to have a, a mention at the judgment seat of Christ? And you spend your life worrying about it and watching it, and that's all you care. It consumes you. You're going to stand before God, and you're going to watch everything that consumes you get consumed. Yeah. Gone. Smoke. And I'll be sitting there, and at least the, the, one, the six, 60, sec, 60 minutes that I had, I'm going to be sitting there like, I told you. Told you. I didn't do everything by myself. I got everything on fire over here, but at least, hey, I told you. He shouldn't have to keep preaching on sports all the time. And maybe you're all maybe you're like, I don't know why he is. None of us doing, none of us are in that. Some of y'all get consumed with the stuff out here. You know what? Because that's feeding, that's feeding the worldly soldier inside of you. You like it. You like, see, you like, in closing, you like both sides. You love it. It's just which part of you loves what part. And when you start building one side up, the other side's going to hate it. And when you start feeding one side, the other side's going to hate it. And if you sit in the middle, you're just like the church of Laodicea where you ain't doing nothing with either. God can't use it, and for crying out loud, the devil can't even use you. They're both sitting there, and you're stuck in the fence wondering what in the world's going on. You ever, think about, you ever think about that? You get to the point where the devil can't use you and God can't use you? <laughs> I guess you end up being used more by the devil when you're in that situation anyway because you ain't doing anything for God. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You know what that cheese was for David? It was just something he was asked to do, but he could have just easily turned around. He could have saw what was going on, turned around and walked away and went back to the affairs when God had put a chance for him to be a soldier in front of him. And he said, you know what? I've got a job I was supposed to do, but... And I don't have the equipment. As a matter of fact, Saul, I can't fit it. I haven't proved it yet. Many of you all may have not proved that yet either. You haven't proved the sword of the Spirit. You haven't proved the, the shield of faith. You, couldn't, can't, you can't carry it. It's 20 pounds. It's 20 kilograms. It's your baby. You can't carry it. And until you get strong enough spiritually, we can't, we, can't get, we can't get hard on you. One of the things I've learned is that you can't get hard on a baby for not carrying the things an adult would carry. But you can try to help the baby grow to be an adult so then he can carry the things he's supposed to carry as an adult. That's why we have the church. Because if we were all outside of the church, we'd all be little babies running around acting like babies and no one would ever put pressure on us to grow. And when we grow up, then God can do something with us. So my question today is, are you a baby Christian? There's nothing wrong with being a baby Christian if you're a growing baby. There's nothing wrong with being a soldier as long as you're still fighting, and you're still eating, and you're still moving, and you're still trying to protect the ones behind you and trying to raise up the ones to, to stand in the position where you're eventually going to be leaving vacant. You know what I like about Bobby? Bobby, Bobby left the position on the front lines. That's what I like about Bobby. He, he, was, he was fighting. He, he left out with his boots on. He left an example for a lot of us younger guys to pick up some pieces, Brother David. You've done that very well. You've done a lot of the stuff that he was leading into very well. Little things like just come up and saying, hey, here's the problem with this. And you've been paying attention. You've been caring. Katie Ann. Pulled a lot, of co- a lot of cogs got pulled out of the church this, this week, and you know what? The, the clock kept ticking. Yeah. That's a testament to the effort he put in a long time ago, but it's a testament to the rest of you all for seeing that vision and running with it. This is, this is it, loud encouragement. It's, it's a testament to this church that when things are slowly pulled out, and believe me, 
the positions in the battlefield will slowly, they, they don't die. The soldiers don't die. They fade away. But the question is, is as they're fading away, is somebody walking through that fate? Here today, you have the opportunity, just like you did every other, every other Sunday, the last couple Sundays, a little bit of food, hopefully to get you a long way, hopefully to get you in the night. What are you doing in whatever position you're in? Are you a baby trying to grow? Or are you an adult? Are you somewhere in the middle? Are you moving in the right direction as a Christian? And if not, you need to do that because the time is short and the adversaries, the Bible says, there are many, many adversaries. Dear Lord, thank you for the message today. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for uh, the ability to even preach out of this word, Lord. The, just the, the privilege, Lord, to even have a Bible. In the time and age that I live in, Lord, I could have been put in another millennia on the backside of the earth, Lord. And here I am in the United States and access to all this information. I just pray that you would be with the message, Lord, be with the preaching. I went a little bit long, probably ran through some of these points way too many times. I just pray that you'd be a help to these people in here, Lord that heard the words, it'd be a help to somebody in here who needed to hear it. Or if there'd be a baby in here, a spiritual baby, you help them to grow up, help us to help them to get the food that they need, Lord, to get strong. And then, Lord, for the ones that are fighting, Lord, that are wore out, maybe, maybe tired from being in the battle, I just pray you give them the strength to keep going and realize that there are people behind them watching them and, uh, and depending on them, uh, Lord. And, uh, Lord, I just pray you'd help the rest of us here. There may be some injured people in here, Lord, spiritually injured. There may be some, some people that are just faint, uh, Lord, like those men, like David's men, Lord, and all they can do is just stay by the stuff. I just pray that you'd help them. And Lord, you'd help us all to, uh, to get a little bit closer to you, get a little bit more full of uh, the things you would have us to be full with, Lord, so that way uh, we can endure the things we need to endure as Christians. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.